for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Keith Law, who covers minor league baseball for The Athletic, about where he ranked the San Francisco Giants farm system. Since Farhan Zaidi and Scott Harris arrived in San Francisco, the Giants, maybe better than any team in baseball, have revamped their minor league system, so much so that they had a wealth of talent to dip into back in 2021. We'll see how that translates to the big league level in 2022. All things we can talk about, including the rise of Joey Bart to the big league level this season with Keith Law, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, February 16th. It's a pleasure, as always, this time of year to welcome back to the podcast Keith Law. He covers minor league baseball for The Athletic. And I'd imagine, uh, being that that's the only baseball we have right now, Keith, uh, you're somewhat excited. You're ramping up for the start of the season, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Have you uh, have you been out uh, in Arizona or in, in uh, Florida? Are you starting to take in some live baseball? I know, I know players are going to start reporting here pretty quick. My first trip will be next week to Georgia to see Drew Jones, son of Andrew, who is a high school senior this year and a potential number one overall pick in this draft class. So I'll do that because there's nothing to do in Florida or Arizona, right? Players may roll in, but even if we don't get major league spring training for a while, there will be minor league games, but they probably won't be until about mid-March. And I don't go before there are actual games. Even I know minor league games are very exhibition-y. But so what? They're real games, right? I don't want to roll in and watch pitcher fielding practice. I don't get a whole lot out of out of that. I don't even think the pitchers do really. <laughs> yeah, PFPs, man. Everybody's got to do it. It's part of the game. But uh, it's always like day one spring training stuff. Well, it's always fun talking about you about the minor league systems, especially after you rank them each year. And we should point out the Giants. Uh, we'll dive into them. You rank them number nine. There's more variance, I feel like, with the Giants system right now across the board than I've seen in a number of years. You had them number nine. Baseball Prospectus had them number two. Baseball American number 17. Just sort of give me the general reason why you've got them at number nine. I like the Giants system a lot. Number two. Look, this is a good system. There's a lot of upside here. There's a couple of potential stars in the system. You know, maybe not as many as, you know, Tampa, Seattle, Dodgers, those guys offer, I think, a bit more star power. But the Giants have some very interesting depth, really up and down the system in multiple areas. A lot of outfielders, some starting pitching depth. Some of those guys will end up in the bullpen. That's just how it goes, obviously. And I think of quite a few guys who are still sort of, for lack of a better way to say it, sort of bubbling under, who haven't quite popped yet, but I still think have untapped potential. And a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of guys are off, right? They didn't pitch in 2020 or didn't play in 2020 and they lost reps or they lost innings. And the Giants, he's not in their top 20, but they signed a lefty, took him in the draft, signed him last summer out of a collegiate league because he hadn't pitched in the spring either. His, his school canceled their spring baseball schedules. This guy hadn't pitched in basically two years. And so we're going to see a lot of guys like that make kind of unexpected or less expected moves forward. Assuming we get into a regular minor league season starting, you know, on or about the beginning of April. You know, that's something we definitely saw throughout football this year. There were a couple of players who had like opted out during COVID for their, their final college season, then entered the draft, and it took them some time to get up to speed. Has the evaluation process, from your perspective, been any different? Does it seem like guys' development has been halted with that year off? It's more questions. You we're speculating, right? If you point at a player and say, well, his development was adversely affected by the lost season. I can say that, but it is just speculation. I hope I made that clear when I did bring that up with certain players too, that is speculative, right? It is also possible they just aren't that good, right? That's entirely possible. 
or that they would be exactly where they are now, even if they'd had a full season in 2020. I do think there are certain classes of players who were probably more adversely affected than others. Very few guys would be better off from it. Maybe some pitchers were a little better off if they needed the time off just to reduce or to recover from normal wear and tear. And I think most players really do get better just by playing. And I think that's even more true for hitters than for pitchers. And I've highlighted a number of cases across all of the minors, all of my top 20s, of guys who I think may have been more adversely affected. They tend to be teenage position players, Latin American or international free agents, and also some guys from the draft who are maybe a little on the unpolished side. And so getting those extra 400 plate appearances in 2020 would have helped. They certainly wouldn't have hurt, right? It might have made it help us make, helped us make better evaluations but I don't think any player was ever worse off for playing more. So that just means that there's more uncertainty around some of these evaluations of especially younger players than there would be in a typical year, but at least they played last year. And I got to see a lot of them. Scouts, I know, got to see a lot of them. Front offices had got to see them. And that also means we had data on guys, whereas in 2020, even for guys who played a little independent ball or with the alternate site or played in instructs, we really didn't have any data. And this time around, we have some, some data to work with. Baseball's so fun with top prospects, man, because when you have a good team, and like I'm looking at your rankings of the top organizations for this year, you had the Dodgers at number one. Now, for Giants fans, you look at that and you go, they just won 106 games. The Giants won 107. How could they be the number one farm system? But then you look at the Giants and you've got guys like Luciano and Luis Matos and uh, Sean Jelly, some of these guys, Elliot Ramos, who could be here soon. I don't want to go any further without talking about uh, about uh, uh, Marco Luciano. He's the guy who's the number one prospect for the system, maybe the best prospect the Giants have had since, I don't know, Buster Posey, Tim Lincecum, somewhere in there. Uh, what's his development been like? There were thought that maybe last year he could get to the big league level. Certainly seems like this could be the season we see Luciano. He is the best prospect they've had since Posey. Lincecum is the 06 draft. Posey was the 08 draft. I and mean, immediately became one of the top 10 or so prospects in baseball. And that's Luciano's by far the highest ranked guy they've had since then. And, you know, I don't know that he's going to get to the majors this year. I'll be honest. Ramos probably gets to the majors this year. I think there's more time needed for Luciano in a couple of different ways. But the, the good is this guy's got unbelievable bat speed and I think a really good feel to hit too. And he swings really hard for a guy who swings like that to make as much contact as he does even is pretty remarkable. And it means obviously the quality of contact is very good. So it's going to be a lot of hits. It's going to be a lot of base hits, a lot of hard hit doubles. And there's already quite a bit of power there. And I think he's got a chance to be you know, potentially a 35 homer a year guy when he peaks. I really don't think he's a shortstop. He's already a big guy and he's just going to get a lot bigger too. He's not very good at shortstop right now. And the standard in baseball right now for what makes you an everyday shortstop is pretty high. And if Luciano grows even a little bit more, I don't mean great getting taller. It's not out of the question, but I'm just thinking as he bulks up, that guy's got, he's got a big frame. He's going to carry a lot of muscle on him. Guys like that just don't stay at shortstop. And I think it would be a perfectly acceptable trade-off for him to bulk up like that, get to that 35 homer a year kind of power, and have to move to third base. Now, I know scouts who think he moves to the outfield, ultimately. I am not at that point. I saw Luciano a couple times last year. I don't think he's going to be that big. I don't think he's going to be Chris Bryant's size. And I think Luciano's got a chance, pretty good chance to stay on the dirt. He may actually end up pretty good at third base because he's not unathletic. I don't mean for people to think that he's, I'm like saying he's fat. I'm saying he's just going to be a very large, muscular, well-built guy on the bigger side of, of infields. We do see, we see bigger players than ever now, but there's still kind of an upper bound on how big you can be and still play a capable shortstop. And I think that's going to push Luciano to another position. 
but his bat's going to profile anyway. He'd be a DH and he'd still be an above average everyday player. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now that we know the DH is coming to the NL, and, and as an NL guy, I hate to ask this, but it's like, are you looking at guys going, ah, this guy, we can, we can view this guy's trajectory maybe a little bit quicker to the big leagues because we don't have to worry about his glove. We can just look at the bat. Yeah, I think it helps certain classes of players, right? My, my evaluations of prospects in all these rankings, they're always team agnostic because any player could be traded at any time. And so I just assume, well, he could be, you know, right? when we had the DH only in the American League, it was always, well, this guy could get traded to an American League team. Often I'd say, this guy needs to be traded to an American League team because he can't play any position, but he hits enough to potentially have some value. I was never a huge Daniel Vogelbach fan, but he was that kind of player, right? He had no position, but he could put the ball in play and he hit pretty hard. And there was a place for him somewhere on the back of a roster. And so once he got, once he ended up with an American League team, he got to play a little bit more. So those guys exist. The hazard of what you just described is, do you want to short circuit a player's defensive development if he has a chance to play a position, right? If a guy has no chance, Vogelbach, another good example, I'm just going to pick on him. Rowdy Tellez, who's actually with the Brewers now, who will probably just be able to slide him right to DH. These guys have no position. They are not good anywhere. They can't even play first base. They certainly can't play left field. So those are the guys I, I say, you know what, even in double A, just put them right at DH. You, we all know they're never going to play a position. What you don't want to do is say, this guy's bat's ready. His glove's not really ready. Eh, we'll just put him in the big leagues, make him a DH, because then he never gets better in the field. And then you're potentially losing some value, losing some opportunity, hurting the player too. The player is worth less money going forward if he loses that defensive value or versatility. The bigger projection or more difficult, I think, evaluation of Dan Vogelbach is to figure out what size jersey to get him. That guy's like, that guy's like give me guy. the smallest one you got. Yeah, he's jacked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He always looked like that. I, for the first time I saw him, he was 17. It was like, who the heck? That guy? Oh, and then he hits one. And you're like, oh, that's why he's here. Okay, never mind. I'm not even going to say it. You hit like that, you can play. Dude's a fire hydrant. And I think they were both on the Brewers, both he and uh, and Rowdy Tellez at one point yes. uh, last yep. year. Last couple absolutely. Years, just, just so funny. They absolutely have a type. It's like in the social media app of players, right? They see guys like that. They just swipe right. <laughs> That's my guy. Give me a Vogelbacher at Tellez. You mentioned you thought Elliot Ramos is a guy who we, who we could likely see this year. Uh, 22-year-old now. He's been in the system since 2017. What do you like about him, and what have you seen from him that allows you to believe he'll be successful? And does he still project as a center fielder? To me, he projects as a corner outfielder. He's mostly played center and he can run. He runs average or so, but he's going to get a little bigger and he's probably going to end up a 45 runner with 50 being average. And that's probably going to be enough to push him to right. But the Giants will all tell you, so the Giants front office will tell you, their right field requires a guy who can move pretty well and who's obviously got a cannon arm. And Ramos could profile pretty well there. They always think of it as a bit of a second center field. I think Ramos would be athletic enough to handle that change, to switch to that position. I don't know that he's going to be valuable in the majors this year. I think he'll debut this year. I'd really like to see them start him in AAA because he did not have a great season last year. And he was only 21, or he was 17 when they first drafted him. He lost that year of at-bats to 2020. I don't want to discount the possibility that that affected his performance because they just kept moving him up the chain as most teams did. But we saw some swing and miss. We saw a little too much swing and miss. We saw not quite enough selectivity. This guy's got plus raw power, and it should show up more in games. And I think he needs more reps, and maybe they'll come in AAA, to start making just better decisions. It's not that he's some. It's not that he's a hacker. It's not that he doesn't recognize pitches. But he's not getting into the ideal counts. He's not getting enough pitches that he can drive or even crush. And I think that's more about having a better approach to at-bats, having a better plan. That may come with time. 
I mean, I, I look at him as a guy who's always been young for where he's played. And in that context, his performances have been good to even great. Last year was more in the good category. But if he goes back and repeats AAA for even half this season, I expect a big move forward. And I trust this Giants organization to work with him on things like that. You saw it at the major league level. The whole quality of at-bats of the major league team just turned around last year. And I know Gabe Kapler is getting involved in working with the player development guys to try to get that approach throughout the organization. We're almost a perfect candidate for that because he would benefit so much from an improvement in the quality of his at-bats, given his other tools. It's a great thing to point out with the lockout still happening right now is these managers, and I saw Gabe Kapler was actually in Arizona or in Scottsdale last week, was getting ready for that sort of instruction. Are we, or have you spoken to organizations about their big league staff working with some of these younger guys? I'd, I'd imagine that's, that's an improved level of coaching that they're going to get for a little bit of time here. Some are, some aren't, right? It, it really depends on the organization, how much separation they want between the major league staffs and the minor league staffs too. Some some situations you don't want the major league staff involved in player development. If you speak to people who worked in the Orioles organization during the Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette years, one of their number one complaints, maybe their number one complaint overall was Showalter being too involved in player development and potentially altering for the worse the trajectory of some players there, such as Kevin Gaussman. So it's not always to the benefit of the minor league players. In the Giants case, it absolutely is. Obviously, Kapler has a player development background. He and his coaching staff in the major leagues last year, they made changes to players' approaches that resulted in tangible improvements on the field. Those are the guys you want to see working with some of your younger players, especially, like I said, the Giants have a lot of guys who haven't quite performed up to their ability. And so do they get with a Patrick Bailey, who's uh, who I just hope is healthy this year? Do they get something more out of Will Wilson, who at this point, it's a question if he's a prospect at all anymore. We don't want to give up on guys, guys like that if you're the Giants when you know you have a major league coaching staff that can help. They won't help everybody, but they will make some of these guys better. Yeah, case by case, I'm sure with these organizations. I, I'm not seeing Tony LaRusse out there hitting fungos, I guess, is, is where Probably you're Probably not. No, and you know what? Like, I don't want him out there yelling at the young players. Right, hey, right. you got to run hard. We're not back in my day. No, uh, I think we're good. Still one of the more peculiar hires. Uh, one more thought for you here on the way out, Keith. You do such a great job with this stuff, and, and I know you're doing the Keith Law Show. Your podcast is out there for everybody to hear as well. I, I can't leave without asking about Joey Bart, man. This is a guy who he was a first-round pick, obviously from the last Giants regime, drafted number two overall, but now it's his job. Buster Posey's gone. He was the heir apparent. His defense wasn't there a couple of years ago. He struggled with it a little bit last year. He strikes out a lot. I remember last spring training, you telling me, yeah, I don't know if Joey Bart's going to be, you know, a, a Joe Maurer type or a Buster Posey type, but guys who, who hit 230 or 220 and hit 15 or 20 home runs that can catch, there's a spot for that guy on every team in baseball almost. What's your evaluation of Joey Bart now that it looks like it's his gig? That's still what I think he is. He's not going to hit for a lot of average. Might have an on-base percentage right around 300, which if you weren't a catcher or shortstop, it's probably not that good. If you are a catcher, and he is, you can live with that. I think there's 15 to 20 homers there. He can really catch. He can really throw. Pitchers have generally liked working with him. I don't know what happened last year. I heard quite a bit from scouts who said he just looked like he didn't want to be there. He wasn't showing the same effort level. I have no idea. I'm not in his head, and I don't want to try to speculate You know what he was thinking. Maybe he just wanted to be in the big leagues. I could hardly blame him at that point, saying, oh, my God, I'm back in AAA. But I don't know. I really don't know what was going on. I find it very hard to believe that he's no longer a good defensive catcher. I just think that's not possible. I think he's going to show up this year. It's going to be his job. He will show the kind of defense that got him drafted second overall, which I did not like. I will freely admit, I thought that was a real reach at the time of the pick. And I think what they've got in Bart is probably 
a regular, a solid average, regular, everyday catcher, not a superstar. You know what? That's fine. Very few teams have superstars behind the plate. You don't get a lot of us proposals. The Giants already had theirs. Maybe they filled their quota for the century. I don't know. But Joey <laughs> Bart can be the catcher on a contending team. I have no question about that because he's going to provide plenty of value on defense, work well with pitchers, and give you a little bit of punch, a little bit of offense for a catcher, a little bit above what is the league average offense for the position. And that should be fine. And that's generally a good outcome. Even if it's not what you thought you were getting at pick two overall, if your first rounder ends up being an everyday player in the majors, you probably did okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, man. Keith, you did such a great job. Uh, I follow you all season long. Enjoy Drew Jones next week yes. when you get out to uh, <laughs> to see him play. We'll catch up with you around draft time, man. I know that I know that, that fans around the league, they look at their system and go, how'd you have us rated so low? I look at number nine, and I'm like, that's pretty sweet, man. The it's above the hard. median. I said you have an above top third. You're in the top third, top 30% technically. You should be happy with that. I would be happy with that. 107 games last year, and you got a top farm system. So, hey, man, enjoy the uh, the rest of the offseason, what little is there of, is of it, and uh, and we'll catch up with you down the road, man. My pleasure. Uh, fantastic stuff from Keith Law. Does a great job covering minor league baseball all offseason long, get you ready for the draft. And, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the number nine farm system ranking for the Giants. And, again, the, the Baseball America list had them down at number 17. That's their lowest since Farhan Zaidi took over in 2018. And baseball prospectus number two, that's probably a little bit high, but the Giants do have some good talent coming down the pipe and, and should see some of that at the big league level later this year. It's just a matter of whether or not you grade them by depth, quality, quantity, boomer bust hype i guess it all just depends on who the evaluator is thanks to keith law thank you to brian my producer thank you to you the listener if you're enjoying the podcast please rate review and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening we'll keep doing our best the best we can to get you ready for the start of the big league baseball season if and when that does go down but on friday we're going to dive into the first half of the nba season dave defour does a great job on the athletic all season long covering the nba we'll talk about the warriors first half and what to look for in the second half will we get some james wiseman will draymond green return and will the warriors hold on to that second spot or fall out of that second spot because the red hot Memphis Grizzlies are right on their heels. All things we can talk about in the days and weeks ahead. Until Friday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.